Hello, everyone. I want to welcome everybody. I want to welcome East, Prison, and West, and everybody listening online. We are so excited that you join us today as we continue in this series uh, called Wells. Because here's what we've been doing. We've been answering this one big question throughout this series. It's simply this. Why am I here? And so if you missed the first couple weeks, here's what I encourage you to do. Go check it out, because here's the answer as a church. Here's how we're answering that question. We are taking on the responsibility of digging wells. Now, you may be wondering, what does that have to do with anything? Here's what digging wells means. It means it represents life, because when you dig a well, you get to water. Water is something we need for life. But you walk it into a church metaphor, you walk it into the spiritual metaphor, we're going, that digging of well represents showing people who Jesus is. And we believe Jesus is the one that gives the full life. So as a church, we're walking into this, okay, so how do we dig wells? And so that's my focus today. I want to answer this question, okay, so what does that look like? What's our mindset? What's our heartbeat? How do we play this out? What does it look like for us to be digging wells all across the Black Hills and the world? Now, if you're new with us, and you may be going, well, that sounds like a lot. Totally understand. I'm just glad you're here. And maybe you're also one that's like, I don't know if I'm all in on this. I don't know if I'm ready to dig wells. I don't know if I'm even ready to have a relationship with God. Hear me. I get it. I just would love for you to listen in on this conversation. I'd love for you to process this big question. And maybe take some insights from today. But for those of you who call yourselves Christians, I really want you to listen in on this conversation. Because I think it is crucial for us. Because here's what I've recognized in my life. When wrestling with that question, it gets hard, doesn't it? There's times where it makes sense. It starts off like, okay, why am I here? I'm here to live for Christ. And digging wells, got it, locked it in. But then it could seem like time can pass by and I'm like, is that still what I'm doing? And I don't know if you're like me. This question can sometimes just feel like this long journey. And I kind of picture this long road trip that we take on. And I've been at times where I've experienced that long journey. And I don't know about you, when you get, especially when you're driving, because our family, we always travel to go see grandparents, and it's like a 10 to 14 hour drive. We thought about flying, but that's expensive. So driving's our best option. But 10 to 14 hours, you know what happens. About that seventh, eighth hour, you're like, what are we doing with our lives? This is ridiculous. The road just seems to be the same. And let's just be honest, the drive through South Dakota, it's pretty at times, but most of it's pretty rough, okay? And so you just, it becomes monotonous, becomes the same. And so sometimes I can compare that to just the journey we go on. Like, why am I here? It just, my life feels monotonous. It feels the same. It's a struggle right now. And don't you wish, just like when I'm driving, I, there comes a point where I go, I wish there was technology that could just take over and just drive the car for me. Because I'd be love to be doing what my kids are doing right now, just watching TV shows. Love to even maybe be working, doing whatever I can. Well, some of you already know this. This technology actually exists. Now, it has not hit Rapid City yet, but there are self-driving cars. You can totally go into autopilot mode. Now, if you're curious, if you're like, prove it, I have a video for you, okay? I want you to check it and just wrestle with this question. Would you take a ride in one of these self-driving cars? 
Watch this video. Now, some of you are like, that is amazing. When are those cars coming? Some of you are like, mm-mm, not going to happen. So I'm just curious. We'll take a poll real quickly. Raise your hand if you would trust the self-driving car. Whoa. All right. The five of us in here will do it. All right. This will be awesome. No wonder why it hasn't come out to Rapid City. All right. I think it's reality, though. It's hard for us to trust. But there is something about that that we do love. There is that autopilot mode that we enjoy. You think about it, some of you have probably kind of put your bills on autopilot. Some of you, when we drive, like fly, that goes on autopilot. Cars someday. It's amazing when things can because then you can multitask. You don't have to worry about it. You can have your mind on multiple things. And we love that. It makes us more efficient. We get things done faster. We feel like we accomplished something. And so I catch myself getting really excited about stuff like self-driving cars. But I wonder, because I, I see myself do it, do we take that autopilot mode into places where it doesn't belong? Where we try to find the convenience or the easy way to do things and stuff like relationships or happiness or even in purpose. I think some of us, if we're honest, that question of why am I here, we've put that into autopilot mode and hoping it just gets answered. Because you've got your life to live and you're like, someday I'll hopefully figure out purpose, whatever. But here's what I've learned about autopilot. I want you to look at this real quickly. Here's what it works for. Planes, cars, bills, and you could probably think of some other things. Here's where it doesn't work. Relationships, happiness, purpose. Because some of us, you could probably even think about this. Let's picture it, autopilot. If you put your relationships on autopilot, it means that you are never fully present in moments. And some of you, if you're willing to ask your family, willing to ask your spouse, they'd be like, yep. You're always on the phone. You're always on the go. You're always going. Your mind is always going places. And you can never be fully present in relationships. And that's why it doesn't work. You want to talk about happiness. Put that on autopilot, here's what becomes the danger, you will never fully experience it. You hope so, you try to, but you got your mind everywhere else, and so to be able to fully experience the happiness that is actually coming in your life is hard. You miss it. And then the purpose. If you put purpose on autopilot, you'll never fully understand it and never be able to fully engage it. Because what autopilot does is it makes you ability to focus on two things at the same time. 
And these things require our full attention. Reality is this. An autopilot life will cause us to miss what is important. And I wonder, for us, for us who say we are Christians, have we gone into autopilot mode with our beliefs about God? Or maybe our understanding of Christianity? Because there's dangers in this. Big dangers to where Christianity becomes a comfortable lifestyle. It's easy. It doesn't cost us anything. And it should. Because if you look back and study the Old Testament and the New Testament, God points to this, no, I have a mission for you. I need you to be fully into this mission. Fully present, fully aware, fully engaged. Everything. And so I want to share with you God's mission for all of us. And it starts with the Old Testament. I want you to look at this passage in Exodus. And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvelous, such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Now here's what's going on. God is having a conversation with Moses, and he explains, hey, I'm making a covenant with you and the whole Israelite nation. Here's what I want to do. I want to partner with you guys, and I want to go show the nations around this whole earth who I am. I want you to join me in this mission. And you even catch it, I think, the thing that I will do with you. Now, recognize God could do this all by himself. He doesn't need the Israelite nation. But he says, I want to include you. I want you to be part of this. I want you to see what happens. Because when God includes us in the mission, here's the beautiful part we develop a real relationship with him. We start to see what happiness can truly look like. We can start to find what our purpose truly is. It's the outcomes of recognizing that God has this mission for us, and we've got to take hold of it. And so that's in the Old Testament, and then God even expands it in the New Testament to not even include just the Israelite nation. He goes, this is to everybody. Uh, look at this in Ephesians. God's purpose in all this was to use the church, church being Christians, those who made the choice to believe in Jesus, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his, his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here's what I love. So God not only says, he's like, hey, I want the church to be this vehicle to where I show hope, I show love, because I want people to know who I am. And on top of that, there's even parts of this that will be like, we don't even understand because it also plays in the spiritual world. He's going, I'm going to ask you to do something, whether it's mission accomplished or whatever part of the mission it is, and it, you may not fully see the effects of it. It's not only going to have an effect here on earth, it's also going to have an effect in the spiritual world. Recognize that's the mission we get to be a part of. If we choose to say, God, we're in on this, let's do this, he goes, this is what you get to be a part of. Now, some of you might be thinking, because I thought this a little bit, but then God came he's like, God, this sounds a lot about you. And he goes, but think about parenting, though. If you had the opportunity as a parent to give your kid the ability to experience a real relationship with you, to experience moments of happiness and purpose, would you not give the, your kid that opportunity? I think all of us in here would be absolutely 
God's going, I want to do the same thing. I want all my sons and daughters to know, I believe in you, I love you, you can be part of this mission. And so the beauty is, God invites you. He invites you to be part of his mission. To be able to change the world and even have effects into the spiritual world. He invites you to be part of it. Now here's sometimes what we do, because then we go back into autopilot mode, and we start to kind of think about, okay, God, I get it. We're supposed to do this, but what is my role specifically? Can you lay out for me, like, the next 10 years, what's going to be my job? How much am I going to be paid? uh, Family, how does that all work out? We start asking all these questions. And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. The mission's already there. I didn't design a special mission for you. And I think that's where we get kind of caught up or waiting for the special mission. God, I'm waiting for the certain position that I believe I should have. And I'm, and I'm going to wait for that, and then I'll know what to do. And God's going, no, 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 stop. Please, I just need you to go. And Jesus even clarified this. He goes, okay, let's take from the church mindset and make it a little bit more personal. How are we, like all of us personally, what are we supposed to do? Look at this in Matthew 28. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He makes it pretty clear here. He goes, like, for all of us, everyone who takes on, I want to be in a relationship with God. I take on this mission. We need to go and make disciples of all nations. And so it leads into this conversation that I've been wrestling with of the mindset of of being a missionary. Now, when I say missionary, if you grew up in church, you kind of know the idea of a missionary is one who leaves its home and goes wherever, uh, maybe across seas, whatever, sells whatever, to go do that. But the truth is, our mission, we're all called to be missionaries. Every single one of us. Because here's what missionary simply means. Someone who lives sent. Now you go back to Matthew 28, what did he say? Go and make disciples. But we get so wrapped up in, in missionary or we get wrapped up in, oh, I, don't, I, I don't have it specifically laid out. God, I need this to all play out and this to all play out. Or we get on autopilot mode and we want to do whatever we want to do with our life. And hopefully God's purpose still plays out in our lives too. We start multitasking. For us to be a missionary, we have to be focused on what God has for us. All in on it. Because here's what I want you to understand. Parents in the room, recognize you are missionaries to your, parent, to your kids, to your family. God is sending you to go tell your kids who Jesus is. For those of you who are students, to those, anybody who goes to school, you realize you are missionaries. Your mission field is your school. You go to your school to help those people know who Jesus is. If you are a boss or employee, recognize that you are a missionary because your workplace is your mission field. Those people need to know who Jesus is. Recognize we are all called to this idea of being sent. 
Because he goes, church, I want to use you. I want to use you to show this world who I am. It's incredible to think about. But it's also a lot for us to take on. And a mindset that we have to make sure, do we have this locked in? Because what's dangerous is we don't take on the missionary mindset, we take on autopilot. And Jesus warned us about this. Look at what he said in Luke 9.23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Sorry, that's not fun to hear. And then the rest of it, take up your cross daily and follow me. Let me ask you maybe a question that maybe we all should ponder. Does this describe our church? Does this describe churches in America? Where we give up our own way, we take up our cross daily, which means we let our selfish desires get completely out of the way and say, God, what do you want me to do? This is all about you. I'm on, just focused on your mission. And follow me. I hope we recognize the moment we give our lives to Jesus is the funeral for our selfish desires. Because if we, we let our selfish desires take back over, realize we just went back into autopilot mode. We can't follow God and do what we want to do at the same time. Man, it sounds nice and it sounds convenient. But it doesn't work. And so we have to realize that our relationship with God, now hear me, as soon as you begin that relationship with God, does that mean you're perfect at getting rid of your selfish desires? No. But it's a journey you go on to where you recognize, oh, I'm letting my selfish desires get in the way of accomplishing God's mission. And you own it, you accept it, and you change your behavior. That's who we should be as Christians. That's what God is calling us to. He's not asking us to be perfect, but at least go on this journey with me. Let me show you how you can help me live out this mission. But you got to be willing to do this because we can't have this autopilot mode. Because here becomes our greatest danger. I want you to see this. Our greatest danger is becoming indistinguishable from the world. Where people would look at us and we have, they have no idea. Are you Christian? I don't know. You seem like everybody else. And I wonder for our culture, for America, I think too many Christians, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, we've made Christianity comfortable. We've made it easy to where it really doesn't cost us that much. And so it doesn't look that different from the world. And so the world is offering us a lot, and we chase a little bit after that, but then we got God over here, and you can just tell we're in this weird autopilot mode. And God warned us. He said, be careful with this, because I want you to be part of this mission. I want you to help me spread the good news. And he even gave the warning back to the Israelites. Look what he said in Exodus. Be very careful never to make a treaty with the people who live in the land where you are going. If you do, 
you will follow their evil ways and be trapped. Pretty much warning the Israelites, be careful about letting the other nations and our context, our world, start letting that impact you. Start changing you and you start leaning into what they believe. Leaning into, like, oh, that sounds better. Because what begins to happen is we start getting off mission just slightly. And so one of the things that I started doing as I was getting ready for this sermon is I started studying, okay, early church, how did it start? What, how did it grow to become what it's become? Because if you think about it, it's pretty incredible where Christianity started and what it's become today. And so in my studies, I came across a book that uh, it's incredible what it shares. Because what this guy did is he was a church planner, planted a church and got real frustrated with where the church was at because, yes, it was growing, it wasn't bad, and by church planning standards, it was a success. But he was just like, I'm not seeing the miracles that I see in the Bible. And that bothers me because I know God is moving, I know his spirit is doing incredible things. Nothing has changed in that regard. But why does it feel like the church is not seeing what it used to? And so he walks through this throughout the book, and he even explained in his studies, he found this, that in the first three centuries, the early church grew to five million people. That's incredible growth. Crazy amount of growth. And it was during a time, hear me, it was during a time where Christianity was seen as a joke of a religion. No one wanted to be Christians. Very different from our culture now. But it was seen as a joke. It was the bottom of the totem pole. If you decided way back in the early church to become a Christian, your family would probably be like, are you nuts? Why would you do that? That is a horrible idea. They would, you'd lose many opportunities because you chose to be a Christian. And so there was a quote from this book that stood out to me because it was all about the perspective and heartbeat that I think that church had. And I wanted to share it with you. Yet even within this violently anti-Christian environment, the presence of miracles, signs, and wonders provided conclusive evidence of God's existence and the truthfulness of Jesus' message. Just stay here for a little bit and recognize that God is doing his work. He's going to do the miracles. He's going to do the wonders. He's going to provide the signs. That's how those who are lost Come to know Christ. Come to know God. Because he steps and invades their life. So God's always going to do his part in accomplishing the mission. But then look at the second part of this quote. People flocked to the Christian faith, although it meant loss of their property, friends, employment, educational opportunities, and freedoms. Sometimes it even meant the loss of their lives. I think it's hard for us to relate with this. Our culture is very different. But at the same time, I think we've got to wrestle with, but how do we have that kind of heartbeat? What is it costing us to follow Jesus? What is it costing us to be on mission for him? What would be your answer to that question? What is it costing you to be a follower? Because, I don't know, I landed here and I started asking, okay, God, what do we do? How do we change this? And maybe even the best question is to ask it this way. 
How do we live a life sent? How do we go and make sure that we're going, you're right, God, this is about your mission. It's not about my own. It's not about my selfish desires. And God, help me to avoid being in autopilot mode. So I think the best way we can answer this question is to look at a guy who lived it out. His name is Paul. Many of you have probably heard of Paul if you've been in church, but if you haven't, here's what he did. He was part of the movement that started the early church. He planted church after church after church. But what I love is that he gave wisdom and gave uh, just his mindset and his heartbeat of like, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think there's two important things that we need to pull out of there that go, this is what it means to be a missionary. So look at this passage. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, pretty much explaining, I have walked into this relationship with Christ. I am free now. I've experienced love and freedom and grace in ways I've never imagined. But look at this next part. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach, reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I love the heartbeat of this. He would go and serve whoever he could. Didn't matter the beliefs. Didn't matter because he's like, this is my mission. I want them to be able to experience the same freedom I have. So look at it this way. The heartbeat of a missionary is simply this. To intentionally serve others in hopes of bringing God into every aspect of life. Where no matter what you do, no matter what you say, this is your, your goal. I want to bring God into this conversation. I want to bring God into this circumstance. And it's not in a pushy way. It, most likely you won't even have to say any words. It's just to serve. God actually recently convicted me of this. Where I was like, you're right, God. Because... I had recognized I'd been living in my house for probably uh, a year or two. And I did not know any of my neighbors. I don't know if you're in that circumstance. Maybe you're best friends with your neighbors. Congratulations. Um, I was not. Didn't know their names. Didn't really know a lot about them. Now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like we were mean to it. We were very cordial. Said I to each other. All those kind of things. But I was like, I, I haven't done enough. I haven't tried to serve. I haven't done anything. And God kept pushing in. He's like, I put people around you. I wanted you to live here for a specific purpose. And for me, I'd never thought of it that way. I'd always thought, well, I live here because, you know, you brought me out here, God, to be a pastor, live in Rapid City, got it. But he's like, no, that, that has nothing to do with this situation. You're here because I want you to influence the people around you. I want you to have an impact in your neighbors. And so about two years ago, I decided, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. It was wintertime, just like it is now. It was a little bit closer to Christmas. And I decided, let's do something. So I went and got some gifts. So I'll do some Christmas gifts. And I handed out our little like family Christmas card, you know, that you do, it seems like, at Christmas time. And I thought, all right. I'm going to do this crazy thing. I'm going to go door to door, ring the doorbell, offer a gift, do this. And my hope was 
that it would help the conversations during the summer. Because during the winter, you never see your neighbors. It's cold outside. And we're like, we don't want to hang out outside. That's weird. So summer, you're like, okay, hopefully this has an impact. And so I walked around, did the whole neighbor thing, and I was blown away just by how it was received. And just saying thank you. And uh, incredible part, I kept doing this. And down the road, I started getting my kids involved. They're like, kids, we're all going. Like, let's go do this. Just so they can get to know, like, this is our heartbeat as a family. We serve the people around us. Wherever God has us, that's our mission field. Let's go show them who Jesus is. And so it's just kind of a cool thing to where over the summer now, I'm getting to know names. I'm getting to know uh, my neighbors and getting to reach out to them. Who knows where it will go? But this is the heartbeat I want to have. Intentionally serving, taking every opportunity I can, whether it's neighborhood, work, friends, even the daycare I take my kids to, that becomes my ability to serve people. Church, that's what we should be defined by. But let me go back to that passage because there's a second piece to it. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant. There is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. What I like about Paul is he went into these moments and didn't just go, they didn't change me. They may have different beliefs. They may not totally understand what I, what I believe in. But what he tried to do was sit on their side of the table and listen. And I feel like too many Christians right now are all about correcting people, correcting our world, than it is about connecting with our world. Connection is a huge deal. People want to feel loved and valued. And so the main thing that we can do is offer just this ability to listen. And say, tell me, where, where's your life coming from? Where's your perspective coming from? I want to hear it. And so I tried doing this recently, and it scares me on some levels, I'll be honest. Because uh, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw a friend who I knew from high school. And I could just read post after post. He was just, just blatantly against God. Thought believing in God was stupid, dumb, all those kind of things. And so I'm sitting here going, God, I know that I'm supposed to love you, but how do I enter into this conversation? How does this happen? <laughs> and God's like, just go ask. Talk to him. Connect with him. So I Facebook messaged him. I was like, hey, man, I'd love to connect with you. I know it's been a long time. I just want to hear your perspective on life. And I told him, hey, I'm a pastor. I know we may have different beliefs, but I'm just curious. And he shared post after post after post. It was long. But then I, I shared back too. I said, here's what I believe. And the conversation ended well. Normally, I've seen many of those conversations go wrong. But to me, I go, I just want to take a step in to that culture. Because I know it's very tempting for me just to stay in my church culture, where I'm comfortable, where everybody believes what I believe. But that's not on mission. That's more selfish desires than autopilot. So, heartbeat of a missionary, here's the second piece. Step into new opportunities and avoid what is comfortable. I want us to be a group of people who go after and go, you know what? I don't understand what you believe. And we may not connect, but I can listen to you. I want to step into your culture. I want to step into what you do. Who are you? 
Because I believe if we take on this mindset, we'll start to learn what it truly looks like to be on mission and avoid the autopilot life. Because here's what I know. If you go look up statistics on this, this is what's crazy. It's about, if you want to talk about having a spiritual conversation with somebody, Christians answered it. 8% of them, 8% of them have one conversation a week about God, spiritual stuff. 15% of them, once a month. An average adult, beliefs being all over the place, spiritual conversation once a year. To me, that shows, man, we've got a group of people, especially if we call ourselves Christians, are we really on mission? Or have we gone into autopilot? Because many of the reasons people gave for like, uh, whatever, it's, family, work, kids' activities, what's on Netflix, what that was occupying their time. You can begin to see autopilot or mission life. What defines us? I finish with this question. Is your life on autopilot or on mission? I pray as a church that we will take this and go, we need to dig wells. We need people who look at God and say, God, I get it. This is about you. This is your mission. I'm so thankful to be a part of it. And I hope it builds a relationship that is long-lasting between us. It's forever. I pray that we'll experience happiness. I pray all this and things. But God, show me the courage to be focused on this and live on mission because I want the people around me, to experience the life-giving water that you have. And this water isn't just temporary, it's forever. And if we truly believe that, we will fight the autopilot mode and fight for being on mission. I would love to see the Black Hills just full <laughs> of water. I would love to see our world full of water. And by that, full of wells. For God is doing the miraculous. God is doing the wonders. God is doing his signs. And church, we were part of it. How incredible will that be? Because I believe it with all my heart. It's going to happen. And I hope you'll join in on this and start living life with purpose and on mission. Let me pray for us. Dear God, I thank you so much for being the God that you are. Thank you for giving our lives purpose. Thank you for giving our lives mission because in the midst of that, God, you showed love. You showed us that we can experience real relationships, even a real relationship with you. But then you even guide us into real relationships with other people. And God, on top of that, you want us to experience happiness. You talk about us having the full life. And so God, thank you for providing all of that and our ability to take on this mission that you invited us to be a part of. God, may we as a group of people avoid the autopilot life and truly show this world what Christianity is. The most loving, 
hope-filled God that has ever existed. And so, Lord, help us. May you lead us, may you guide us. And God, for those of, of us who may be sitting in here and you may be going, I'm wrestling, I don't know if I'm in on this mission, I don't know if I even believe in God. God, I pray that this conversation brought some clarity. This conversation was able to lead them even to a closer relationship with you. God, I want all of us to be on mission. I want the Black Hills in the world to experience the true water that you offer. And may we start digging the wells that need to be dug. And God, we pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you.